Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And as always, I'm here with my good friend, my colleague, comrade at arms, Ronnie Kurtz. He's an assistant professor of Christian studies and managing editor of For the Church, along with a thousand other things (laughs) as well. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. How are you, man? I'm doing okay. You know, it's been a while since I had a beef. Oh, we used to have, have it's kind of a running series. Yeah. Well, it's a recur. It's a, an ongoing beef. Yeah. Just my feelings about social media oh, in general. That's a beef we share. <laughs> I know. Yesterday, I just I was so sh- you know chagrined about someone was promising. I've got a expose on this thing, this person that's going to be coming out soon, and everyone was just like. And all I could figure is just sort of, um, you know, someone is promising, I've got some gossip I'm going to share soon. And all these people kind of suck up and you just see the drool oh, coming out. They're disgusting. just so excited. And just things like that really bum me out. It's not so much a beef as it is like, you know, de- depression. In That's sense. exactly right. But I, Because I, you know, I tend to think if the Pharisees had social media, this is exactly what they would be doing, yeah. parsing everybody's words, setting traps for people digging through people's work and, you know, trying to find, trying to dig up dirt and then putting that dirt on display for other people to, um, yeah, to share in the, in the malice and Hmm. to share in the, and it's, it's especially, um, you know, this particular thing that I'm thinking of that I just saw yesterday. Um, I know the truth about the situation and I know the truth is opposite of what they're saying. But when somebody shares the truth, it doesn't spread as rapidly. No, it's I, I don't know I don't remember who said it, but there's a quote that says something like, um, "A lie has gone around the world while the truth is still putting on its pants." Yeah, and it's it's a, it's a very similar concept. Somebody may say, "Well, actually, here this is the reality." That doesn't go viral. It's the dirt that yep. goes that goes viral. I uh, this is we're, we're starting off this episode with kind of heavy. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, I didn't mean for it to. No, but, yeah, I think that's a good. It really a good bums thing. me out. I, uh, when when my daughter was born, Finley, um, I kept thinking if I could pick two adjectives, I don't know why I was thinking this, but what, what two adjectives would I want Finley to be characterized by for the rest of her life? Yeah. And the two that could not get out of my brain were I really want her to be wise and I really want her to be kind. And so I've prayed every single day of her life, two things. One, that she would treasure Jesus and find in him the greatest adventure and love of her life. And two, that she would be immensely wise and kind. And what mm. I see on social media so often is just the opposite of wisdom and the opposite of kindness. And so just yeah. an encouragement to the listeners from the very beginning, if you want to be countercultural in 2021, be wise and kind. Yeah, your daughter Finley, is she, is she named after our friend Davis Finley? Oh, you know, it, it's funny. Davis was the best man in my wedding. Okay. So, uh, I mean, yeah, oh. if—, they, if it wasn't necessarily like, hey, I'm naming this person after you, but yeah. but I love the, the connotation. Yeah. Okay. So she I, is named after, you, you'll be interested in this. Her middle name is Jane. Okay. Finley Jane Kurtz. And From we Tarzan? named her. <laughs> you know how much I love Tarzan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, three Janes. She's okay. getting the three. Jane Eyre? Yes. Okay. Look at you. Do you want to make guesses? I was going to say Jane Campion, but I no, think that's an obscure No, you got film. one of the three. Jane Eyre. One of them is theologically based. One of them is fiction. Well, two of them are fiction based. Yeah, you're going to have to. Okay, like, so fill Lady me in. Jane Grey is the theology okay. one. So the nine day queen beheaded by Bloody Mary. Okay. Uh, great Protestant 
Queen wrote to John Knox. Uh, okay. So that's the primary one. Then Jane Austen. Oh, okay. And then Jane Eyre, and my Jane wife's Eyre. favorite, one of my wife's favorite fictional wow. characters. So there you go. There you go. Hey, speaking of great names. <laughs> the king of transitions Pastor is Pastor Parrish left us a five-star review. Hey, thanks, Pastor. On Apple Podcasts. He says, this is an excellent resource for every Christian as we seek to grow in our love for God and people. I recommend it to all my friends and my congregation. Um, this comes from That's West Braves 87. West Braves 87. His subject line is nice. Hey, that's good enough for me. Just says nice. Better no. than mean. Yeah, but it's a five-star review. Awesome, good content, biblical, gospel-focused. What happened to episode 21? I feel like that was one of the best and important in today's world. I don't know what that's a reference to. I have no to. clue. Probably some scandalous reason episode 21 doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Chung95. Chung95 says, uh, there's a five-star review. I'm thankful for the ministry of Midwestern Seminary and the For the Church podcast. Always engaging and fruitful time spent with Jared and Ronnie. Thanks, Chung95. Hey, that's great. Really appreciate that. BD Hugs. <laughs> BD Hugs says, fantastic, exclamation point, five stars. Very grateful for the podcast. As a pastor, the things discussed in this resource help my ministry tremendously. Job well done. Here's a fellow, two stars, evangelism, question mark. You guys had a podcast on pastors and evangelism. No talk about evangelistic preaching, just being intentional towards your neighbors. Huh. Multiple references to the lady who cuts your hair. Man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he doesn't know my hair, hair cutter. She's amazing. So, I know. Abby, shout out if you ever well, listen to this. I know, I know what he's talking about. I was using the example of the lady cutting my hair as uh, making transitions to evangelistic conversations. How dare you? Somebody just jumped off the episode before we got to the <laughs> point. But anyway, you got to listen all the way. You got to listen to the whole thing. Five stars from Grace and Law. Grace and Law says, balanced education about discipleship and growing love for God and love for others through Jesus. Uh, this is a sampling of some of our hey, how um, kind. well-heeled five-star reviewers. And uh, you, your name could be here, listener. <laughs> you could leave us a good review, but uh, it's a mailbag episode. Hey, yeah. Hey. <laughs> uh, listeners, you should be warned. Jared is getting a little bit better, just a little bit better at the uh, soundboard. <laughs> what I've what I've just figured out is there's some of these. You press the button. And, they and keep it just going. does the sound once, yeah. and you got to press it again to keep it going. Others, you press the button, and it doesn't <laughs> stop. You have to like press it again to make it stop. So that's what DJ I've discovered. Jared. All right, mailbag. This comes from Michael on Facebook. Michael wants to know, how do you develop members into leaders, especially if they don't desire to lead or take on responsibility? Yeah, I'll start. That's a great yeah. question. <laughs> That's what the pause was for. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm sorry, I didn't say it. Ronnie. No, hey, what are your that's thoughts okay. on that? That's a great question. The same Ronnie who had no idea what the questions were when he came in. <laughs> like, uh, what, what were the hey, questions we're getting again? Legitimate response so good, here. So sharp. That's right. Uh, this is a good question. This ain't the UFO episode. You're no, going to have to speak. That's right. I'm ready to speak on these. Um, good question, Michael from Facebook. Uh, I. I would answer this in a couple of ways. One, if the leadership you're talking about is eldership, 
I think you have a big problem that the person doesn't desire it since that's the first qualification of eldership. That's, that's one response. Two, even if the leadership is not eldership and the person shows serious uh, just resolve to not be involved in leadership, that might give you reason to pause. Now, there might be some, some, other, some other explanation. They might be truly humble in a lot of ways and just don't, they've never saw themselves as a leader and that can be discipled out of them. Uh, and, and maybe more than humbleness being discipled out is confidence being discipled in, of course. Uh, but, but I would just ask, what is causing them to not want to be a leader? What is causing them to not see themselves as a leadership, as a leader? And then third, do they get it? Do they get the why? Why is leadership even important and why is their leadership? What do they have to offer the church that is actually valuable? I think if they could start to see those things, some, some confidence in their skills, uh, lead with why, as, as some would say, uh, start with wh- why is it actually beneficial for you to lead here? I, I think they might get a, a full enough view of the, the benefit of them stepping into leadership that they might actually pursue it, even if they're hesitant at first. Yeah. Um, my answer to this question is just taking the question at face value. How do you develop members into leaders especially if they don't desire to lead or take on responsibility? And my answer is you don't. Hmm. I don't know how you can. Yeah. How do you develop? Now, if the question was how can you inspire someone who doesn't have a desire to have the desire or how can you get someone to be interested in pursuing this, that's a different question. And I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the answer is certainly, you know, how do you develop members into leaders if they don't desire to lead or take on responsibility? The answer is not, you know, you guilt them or you shame them or you, you know, you know, tell them that they're, you know, being bad Christians. Not everybody's meant to be. I mean, it depends on what kind of leader you're talking of about. Of course, yeah. You know, certainly every Christian is meant to take on responsibility of some kind. But um, there's some folks that just, you know, that's not they they have an aspiration to serve, but it's, you know, not necessarily to be a leader of some yeah. kind. So, I guess I would want more information, but. The way the the question is phrased by itself, how do you develop someone into a leader who doesn't want to be a leader? You you can't, you don't. That's where where I would, um, I guess, put it. I suppose. Uh, Aaron from Twitter, from Twitter on Twitter, I guess. You know, maybe he's Aaron from Aaron Twitter from Twitter Tw- from Twitter land. <laughs> Aaron says, "How do you decide?" Man, I thought about this question a lot. This I is never a really, really contemplated good it, which is bizarre because it seems such an obvious yeah. thing to think about. Well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron says, how do you decide which part-time positions to pay and which ones uh, you don't pay? And he expressed sort of a concern about the morale among volunteers. Yeah. Yep. So what, what Aaron, I think, is is picturing here is is so common in, in, uh, in countless churches, which is you have a team of volunteers community group leaders, Sunday school teachers, people who set up, you know, your your stuff, uh, who pick things up, organ, you know, people who volunteer in the children's ministry. You have all these volunteers all the time who are, in a sense, working part-time, right? But then you have some part-time roles, part-time positions where you're paying somebody for what amounts to part-time stuff. So how do you decide then who gets paid and who doesn't if they're all kind of doing part-time work? How do you make that distinction? Is this something you guys have worked through oh, yeah. at Emmaus? Big okay. time. Yeah, yeah, this is a really great question, especially in the church planting world or just in the smaller church world uh, where, where funds are very limited yeah. and you've got to make these decisions. And often this, this decision becomes hard when you have so many gifted volunteers who deserve some kind of honor by means of finances. 
I would say a couple of things, and I don't think we've done this perfectly. I think we've made some missteps here and there, and we're, you know, we're still kind of reeling from them at, at my church, Emmaus. One thing is we wanted to prioritize pastoral ministry, and I know that's going to step on some toes, but we wanted to prioritize pastors because we see biblical precedent to, to honor them that way. And so, for instance, the first two full-time positions at our church were both pastors, uh, and, yeah. and they were both preaching pastors. Um, so, so Josh Hedger and Sam Parkson are both paid pastors at our church. Uh, the second is the next positions that we have. That's all we have, by the way. That's all. That those are the only paid positions we have as yeah. of right now. We don't have any part-time positions. We used to in the past. That's kind of morphed. But the two that come up constantly for us is an administrative assistant and children's, uh, kind of a children's uh, worker minister. That those, those are the two that almost always come up for the next person to be paid or an, or a third pastor in a way. Worship has been in that conversation somewhat. And the way we've kind of triaged that conversation is twofold. One, what allows the full-time ministers to get the most ministry done in their hours of the week? And, and that way it becomes an administrative assistant. There's a lot that are, a really skilled kind of, you know, in the priest prophet king model, the kingly, the, the person who's going to get a lot done type A uh, they can really take some of the uh, pressure off and the, the bandwidth yeah. problem of our, of our paid pastors. The second is that that's one category. The second category we've used as a filter is what area most relates to the explicit vision of Emmaus Church? What, what, what most ties, the, the most clear line between the work of this person's hands and the vision stated by the church? And that's where often children's ministry comes into play. Sure. Uh, so if one, if one wants to make an argument for the, the children's person needs to be the paid, the next paid, well, that makes sense. There is also the, the third filter we've used, and I hope this is helpful, these three, these three filters. The third one is where is honor due and where is really hard to keep? Um, that's kind of a double, two yeah, sides of the same good. coin. Uh, we have had a really hard time until the most recent person taking over children's ministry, keeping a person volunteer, no money at all, running a hundred children. I yeah. mean, it's just not an easy job. And the turnover rate is astronomical. Uh, you just get burnt out. There's so many volunteers to manage. There's so many children to manage within a young church plant like ours, primarily comprised of millennials. Uh, it just feels like most of our members have two children and it's just a big task. Yeah. And so that person probably deserves some honor that way. And uh, for the sake of re retention, it, it might be good to pay that person. So those are kind of the three filters we've used. Yeah, kind of uh, piggybacking on your on your third point as well. I, I I just thought of it in terms of a couple of practical um, implications because the amount of time put in in the part time um, maybe about the same. But I think there's a couple of things to think about. Uh, one is are are there multiple volunteers or are, are there multiple working pieces underneath? Yeah, this role. That's good. So you've got the Sunday school teacher and the community group leader and others who, you know, I mean, they may have people who are helping them and supporting them and that sort of thing. Um, but then you have someone who's directing a children's ministry and there's multiple volunteers underneath them. That to me, it, when someone has to, in a sense, manage people and and lead multiple spheres under their responsibility, um, lead other people under the responsibility. That's a consideration. That's someone yeah. I think you may yep. want to think about. But then the other thing is, uh, would you expand the role to full time if you could? Oh, that's so a looking good down the line, is yeah. this something that wow we could foresee it, or we would like it to be? Because a lot of times, what you have is our budget only allows mm -hmm. for part time, 
Um, we would love to have a full-time, you know, uh, you know, student ministry leader or youth pastor, uh, but our budget doesn't allow it. So it makes sense that you have a part-time position for that when the expectation is we wish this could be full-time or we want it to be. Yeah. Those, I think, are two kind of practical things to look at. Are there multiple uh, spheres of responsibility underneath them or multiple uh, you know, volunteers or others that they are leading? So, so they're not just um, you know, handling their own preparation, but they're managing people. That, I think, is a, is a consideration for paying those roles. And then the other is, uh, is this a role or a position that you wish could be full-time or you plan to be full-time? Yeah. That's someone to begin paying One more quick well. thing yeah. that I want to add that you just reminded me of is one time, it, speaking of children's ministry, we did, we did, uh, we saw this, this, this sister was running our children's ministry so well and we wanted to bless her with a little bit of finances. And I think this is important for pastors to hear is we wanted to make one thing very clear when we started paying this person a little bit was our 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 coming behind you financially is not us saying hey you've done a good job now do more we're going to we're going to incentivize okay. you with some okay. money it is simply we are recognizing how much you have blessed our church and so this is not a the fire seems hot there so we're going to add a couple of logs to make it hotter this is a recognizing honors due here and mm-hmm. so we want you to keep doing what you're doing. We're just going to come behind you with some finances. Now, you might it might be the former, but it, we wanted to make it clear that it was the latter of we're not expecting more because of this. We're just we're wanting to show honor where honor's due. Yeah. Uh, this comes from Sam on Facebook. Sam asks, uh, who should teach at seminaries? <laughs> uh, is it more important, he says, for someone to be a longtime pastor or to be a prolific scholar? And he says, I'm particularly asking for theology and exegesis classes, I guess things related to biblical studies, that sort of thing. Is it more important for someone to be a longtime pastor or a prolific scholar? And um, I mean, we would say, why why choose? Both, baby. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's exactly right. I mean, that's why I want to teach at this institution. Yeah. Uh, Midwestern Seminary is for the church, of course, and it's not, I mean, you know, for example, I teach a lot of the theology courses uh, in the undergrad, and Matthew Barrett teaches a lot of the theology courses in the graduate program, and we're both pastors. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just resolved. I, I live a hybrid life that it can be frustrating at times. There are some days when I'd rather be with God's people in a local church pastoring vocationally, and there are many days when I'd rather be in a study writing and reading books. And I resolved, uh, you know, in some some point within my doctoral program, I'm just going to keep doing both. As long as the Lord will give me the grace to do both, I'm going to keep doing both. And I think a lot of faculty in seminaries have done exactly that. Yeah. Of they they have found a way to do both. And many of our, you know, even you, you they list exegesis. Todd Chipman, for example, at Midwestern Seminary does both. Yes. And so while that might be a cop out and we can talk about it a little more, I do think there's something to be said for those particular faculty who just have a love both for the God's people in the local church and for God's people in the academy. Yeah, what I love about, and, and you know, I want to answer Sam's question directly in just a second, but what I, what I love about Midwestern is how many of the guys who do teach theology and things like that are elders at their church right. or sometimes pastors of a church. Um, so I think to answer the question, if someone is, you know, their, their teaching uh, focus is theology or, you know, biblical study, something like that, 
I think it's more important for them to be a prolific scholar than a pastor. In fact, I don't even think they should, you know, need to necessarily have ever been a pastor, but they need to be a churchman. Yes. Which is something that we certainly emphasize here as well. Every And in fact, we have to answer for every year mm-hmm. um, on the, uh, um, you know, faculty evaluation and self-evaluation. We're, we basically say, this is how I've served as a churchman in the last year. Um, and you got to do that every single year. So the importance is whether you're a pastor or not, I'm not a pastor. The the importance is you're invested and engaged in your local church. You are a person of the church. So that's going to come through if, if you're taking theology one, two, and beyond. The, you know, the uh, profs, you know, who are teaching those classes or leading those classes may not necessarily be a pastor at this moment, or maybe they have been before. Um, so it's more important that they're scholars in that sense, but they are churchmen. They're yeah. they're heavily invested in their church. They're a member of a local church. They're invested in their local church. And that begins to kind of, you know, they're breathing the local church. And so that's is beginning to seep out in their, yeah. their teaching as well, because our scholarship is designed for the church. Everything that we do here is designed for the church. But we do have a great number who are pastors mm-hmm. and are, you know, um, you know, our elders in, in, in churches as well. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. And I, I do want to speak to the scholarship side. Obviously, I have a deep love for academics. I'm a theology professor here. Um, recently completed my PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, and just love this. I love reading. I love academic stuff. I'm a bookish kind of person. And I would say when you do go to seminary, you're looking to be equipped for the work of the ministry. And uh, you should desire expertise. Uh, you you should be very concerned if you show up to your seminary courses and you don't find expertise there. Uh, you should look for PhD holding accredited uh, kind of faculty members who are who have given their lives to to the study of the deep things of God. Now, if they can't hang in pastoral realms of, of churchman realms, like Jared just said, that's a that's a concern as well, of course. But uh, you should look for uh, theological expertise, exegetical expertise, historical expertise, uh, without a doubt, when you if you're going to pay for education, you should expect those things. Yeah, and in the same way, those who teach pastoral ministry or and you know related classes, uh, you want them to have a good track record, whether That's they're right. a current pastor or not. There's someone who has been a pastor for a significant amount of time. Um, they're not. It's not just you know theory to them. Same with the preaching class. You want your preaching prof to be someone who's not just a good preacher, but who's regularly preaching in some way. They have that um, experience, that sort of thing. Um, so in a similar way, if I'm taking theology, I, I want a scholar. I want yeah, someone who's a, that's right. who has approached expertise uh, on, the, on that subject. Um, okay, good question, Sam. And it also um, you know, allowed us to give a, a little unpaid advertisement yeah. for our, we our love host, Midwestern. Uh, seminar here. We do. Matthew on Twitter Matthew on Twitter wants to know, how do you shepherd members who don't understand theological triage? There was more to this question uh, <laughs> that I didn't include, but it really related to people who kind of conflate tertiary issues with secondary or primary yeah. or sometimes secondary with primary, and they're in your church, and they're ruling other people either out of the faith or they're becoming divisive because— They've they've made second you know they've made secondary or third you know tertiary issues primarily tertiary issues they've made them worth um, you know so valuable that they're about uh, you know organizing around or yeah. they're about defining your Christian faith. How do you shepherd those people? Yeah, I would say two things. One, uh, this is where creeds and confessions can really help. Okay, 
if your church affirms the historic creeds, well, you already have a precedent of what is primary or what is orthodox. And then if your church affirms a local, a more local version of a confession. So for me, uh, our church affirms the Nicene Creed and the Chalcedonian Creed. Those are those are orthodox defining. And then we affirm the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, which is a more local document. And those, the, the creeds and the confessions give us a bit of handrails, actually, of saying, hey, you, you can't make that issue your pet issue. You're not allowed to make it, if you're a member at least, you're not allowed to make it this hill to die on in which you're trying to, you know, verbally excommunicate other members who don't agree with you yeah. on these things. Uh, what you're doing is, is called division, and, and we're, we're not going to let it keep growing. Uh, that's, that's one. So my, my first answer is uh, let creeds, let confessions do some of the work for you. My second is to make sure the language, the rhythms, the, the nuances of theological triage are explicit in your church. Yeah. If that's just a category you have in your head as a pastor— that you're now projecting on the member who's causing some division, well, it's it it's, does it makes sense that they they're making too it. big right. of a you know too big of a deal about these doctrines. So make sure theological triage, the the, the concept of a primary, of a secondary, of a tertiary, is explicit. Another way to put it, actually, I think this is a Mark Driscoll illustration from years ago <laughs> that I actually found really helpful. I think it was him. It could have been someone else who said. He, he helps people distinguish between national and state borders. Okay. And what he meant by that is typically countries are willing to go to war over their national borders. Uh, but it's not very likely that a country goes to war over state borders. And so understanding where doctrines fit. So, so instance, it's not crazy to imagine America going to war with Mexico. But it's a okay. little crazy to imagine Missouri going to war with Kansas. Yeah. Right. And the difference there is. One is a state border. One is a national border. Right. And that's a way to kind of, it's a dichotomizing as opposed to a triage, but that's a way to show, hey, this is a state border. We can disagree about this, but we're not going to go to war here. Yeah. Whereas some doctrinal di disagreements are national borders and we're willing to die over them. We're willing to go to war over them. Uh, and just helping people understand those things. Make sure those kinds of whatever category you decide to choose. I like triage a lot. Uh, make sure they're explicit and they're known in the people. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing is that you're um, you're mentioning this, you're referring to this concept in your preaching and teaching and any kind of resourcing you do. Certainly as people are going through new members classes or new member yes, process, yep. whatever that is, you're explaining this. Hey, these are the things we think make people a Christian, anybody, our church, outside our church. This is uh, you know the, the things you have to believe to be a Christian. Here are the things secondarily that uh, uh, are specific to our church that, that we've organized ar around. So we think you can disagree on this and still be a Christian, but you can't be a member of our church, yeah. right? So baptism issues and things like that. And then here are the things that within our own church we can have disagreement on. So you're kind of laying that out explicitly in that as people are incoming, therefore no one can rightly say, they may say, I don't remember yeah. you know, you're talking about that or whatever. Yep. But they can't rightly say, I didn't know about that, or that wasn't my understanding. Um, that's sort of what I take Matthew to mean. Someone's not familiar with the concept. Well, you going to have to explain it to them yep. and work it through. Now, if you have a member of your church, um, theoretically, they love the Bible and affirm this, the authority of the Bible and the sufficiency of the Bible. You, If they're coming up with things that are defining faith for them, like that person can't be a Christian because they did X, Y, and Z, go to the Scriptures. Ask them, show me 
where this law is yeah. that, that you have created or the application. Usually it's just an application of some concept. Show me in the scriptures. Because so many of our pushing of tertiary issues into the, the first care, you know, category are creating new laws, mm-hmm. which is just legalism. So you have you got legalism in your church. It's something you have to address with the scriptures. So I, ideally, or at least uh, ostensibly, this person affirms the authority of the Bible. You got to take them to the Bible yeah. and say, you, you know, let's let's reason together from the Word, brother or sister, on on what's going on here. Uh, beyond that, if someone's divisive, we have you know biblical parameters or, or, or guidelines on how to work through um, the discipline issue of, of division. And it it may need to go there, yeah. it, but it may not. And it may just be that, as you said, that they just need to understand um, the concept of triage. Uh, Gavin Ortland's got a great little book um, yeah. about which hills to die yeah, on. Finding which the right hills on. to yeah, die Finding on. the right hills to die on. Um, it's Review short. coming in yes. ftc.co. Okay, good yeah. deal. In the coming I weeks. I think I interviewed Gavin about that on a podcast episode. I should have looked that up. This just occurred to me to mention this book. Um, but I think we have an, uh, an episode with Gavin where we talk about it. Um, it's a great book. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I was glad to endorse it. And it's short enough that you could hand to somebody and say, mm-hmm. he, th- you know, why don't you read this? And it'll, it'll kind of help you guide you through this idea. Uh, okay, last question. This comes from Sean on Twitter. It's kind of a fun question. Yeah. Sort of a getting personal. <laughs> Get to know the yeah. Uh, hosts. Yeah, we're going to take off the suit jacket, put on the cardigan. <laughs> And just, I always come in a cardigan, I know, you're Jared. actually wearing a cardigan today. Always. Which is, it's only 95 degrees outside. But, hey, but you know, not inside. No, you're, it's, you're cool always. That's <laughs> how I... <laughs> oh, I appreciated you coming to my defense there, brother. Yeah, somebody on Twitter yeah. who shall remain nameless yeah. said, um, ask Ronnie why he always wears cardigans. Yeah. And I said, uh, like year-round, why does he wear cardigans? And I said, because year-round, he's cool. Man, that's a co-host <laughs> defense right there. I need to break mine out, but I won't because it's 95 degrees outside. But in any of it, Sean on Twitter says, what podcasts do you guys listen to? Of all the questions, yeah. I mean, we say mailbag episode, what, you know, tricky theological, practical, ecclesiological things you want us to tackle. This guy just wants to know, Sean just wants to know, hey, what do you guys listen to? He's he's over ours. He's looking for new ones no, to get that's to. That's right. <laughs> Sean was one of those two-star guys. This is the last episode he's Any listening to. Any other podcast you guys could recommend? <laughs> no, I think if you didn't enjoy this one, you wouldn't be interested in what we would recommend. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. You'd want that's to stay a good far point. away. So do you, do you listen to other podcasts? You know, okay, so I, I'm guessing that you're more of a podcast listener than I am because I think we've talked Maybe. about podcasts before. I yeah. don't listen to a ton. Okay, I don't either, but we'll see. And the ones that I do typically revolve around two topics. One is theology. Okay. And two is literature. Uh, uh, okay. So those are the two topics I typically stick to. It. I do listen to a couple of counseling podcasts. Okay. Just as a pastor. I, I don't listen to any in these categories. Yeah, yours are all movies and UFOs. Well, we'll see. And, we'll yeah. find out. No, well, okay, so yeah. let me let me do it by category. Yeah. So theology, let me recommend a few. Okay. Uh, these are a little bit more. Some of these are more academic than others, but okay. just know these are these are the nerdy category. <laughs> all right. Uh, I love Christ the Center. Uh, which is a podcast by Reform Forum. Camden okay. Busey hosts that one. It's a great, great podcast. So Crisis Center is a good one. Um, I really like the Mere Orthodoxy podcast. I think they do a really good job on on a number of issues, and I really like the way they their tone. And, is that Matt? Is that Matt Lee Anderson? Yeah, and, and, okay. and Derek and, and those guys. Okay. Um, and Jake, they they do a really good job. Uh, I really like the London Lyceum. Shout out to those guys. Uh, Jordan's a friend of mine. Appreciate his voice. Obviously, I'm a Credo podcast uh, with my 
doctoral supervisor, Matthew Barrett, my, one of my pastors. Uh, Dr. Barrett brings on, one of the things I love about the Create Up podcast is it's uh, convictionally a Baptist podcast, uh, very friendly to reform theology, but it has such a wide range of scholars. Uh, I mean, Catholics, uh, male scholars, female scholars, young scholars, old scholars. And I just really love that. I think it's the best, most healthy form of what it means to be widely read. Uh, Dr. Barrett shows that. The Center for Baptist Renewal podcast, I love those guys. Luke, uh, Matt, Brennan, those guys are friends of mine. Uh, I think they do a really good job. Another one that you might not have heard of uh, called the Classical Theism podcast. Um, a very Catholic-heavy podcast, but they do a really good job dealing with theology proper, doctrine of God. So those are six-ish, I think, yeah. uh, more nerdy podcasts, as it were. But I do think they're, they're very helpful and okay. uh, can be good. The, the literature one's not necessarily a podcast, but uh, I actually really recommend the Trinity Forum if, if folks don't know what that is. I don't know if you know what that is, but oh, tell me. Uh, the Trinity Forum is a, is a little company that, that interviews uh, great writers. So actually, I can't remember the first one I've heard, but they've had a number of great writers. Marilyn Robinson's been on there. Karen Swallow Pryor's been on there. Um, yeah, so I, you typically have to register. It's free, but it's typically like a webinar thing. Okay. They do it uh, pretty frequently, and they, they typically have really high quality guests, uh, just talking about beauty, uh, uh, true, good, beautiful kind of conversation. So I really recommend those. Gotcha. You, I, you already named more podcast, you know, podcasts than I listen yeah, to. Yeah. And I'm not like a, I don't listen, listen to all, I don't listen to every yeah. single episode. It's just, you know, if I get a curious, you know, what, what did this theologian think on this topic? I'll find a, a podcast. And I really do. I like podcasts when they review books, especially in the academic world. Because yeah. it helps me decide if I want to spend the time reading them. Yeah. So, and then one more, and sure. I don't listen to this one often, but these brothers do a really good job. I really think uh, Pastors Talk by yes. Nine Marks is yeah. a great podcast. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. That's probably the closest, and I don't listen every single week, but I, I listen to it pretty regularly. Pastors Talk with Dever and Lehman. Um, because it's short, it's, it's, it's typically really to the point, and I just always find those guys really wise and helpful. Yeah. Um, that's probably the most explicitly, um, you know, Christian podcast. That I, I listen to podcasts from other guys who are Christians, but they're not on theological or ecclesiological yeah. topics. Um, every now and again, um, I'll listen to the sermons. Uh, um, I'll, you know, do the sermon podcast, uh, Cutting It Straight from H.B. Charles. Oh, I'll listen yeah. to his sermons. Oh, yeah. um, every now and again, Charlie Dates. Um, Emmanuel Nashville. I listen to TJ Timms, who's a lead pastor there. Ray Ortland is a founding pastor there. Yeah. So sometimes his sermons are on there. But you get a good variety. Typically it's TJ. Um, I, I enjoy his preaching. Sam Alberry preaches there yeah, as well yeah. and a few others. Uh, so those are the sermon podcasts. But really like steady diet every week, appointment, television type for me um, are not things that are explicitly theological or, um, or Christian. Um even though they're from Christian guys. So I'm a religious, uh, happy rant listener. I know some people can take or leave the happy rant. Uh, but some friends of our program, yeah. Barnabas Piper yeah. and, and Ronnie Martin, uh, who's a good friend of mine and, and, in fact, a co-host of mine on another podcast called The Art of Pastoring. Uh, Ronnie Martin, Still Barnabas Piper. Mind, you have two podcasts with two Ronnie. I know. I need a third podcast with another Ronnie. But, <laughs> I don't even know yeah. another one. So Ronnie Barnabas and um, Ted Cluck. Uh-huh. Um, do the happy rant. They've been doing it for a long time. And it began as kind of a satirical, is this is pre-Babylon B. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think and and sh- um smarter, more relational, certainly, um, but began as sort of a parody of Christian culture. Hey, let's make fun of ourselves 
So all the things, CCM and Christian publishing and all that sort of thing. And they still kind of do that, but it's just a little more conversational and more personal these days. And they and a little more topical. They talk about more things in in the news and that sort of thing. You know, like last week they had an episode on on Driscoll and that sort of thing because of the New Christianity Today podcast, which I also listen to. The uh, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which comes from our our friend Mike Cosper. Uh, I do listen to that. But that's more of an episodic thing. It's not really an ongoing podcast. So I listen to the Happy Rant every week because I know those guys and I just enjoy it. Some people hate it because it's just three guys you know, doing banter the whole, time. so if you like, if you hate the first like six minutes of our podcast, yeah, you're really going like to hate one. the happy rant because yeah. it's basically this first six minutes for the yeah. whole time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I really enjoy it. Um, I like podcasts where it's just friends kind of talking. Um, I listen to the Holy post, which is Sky Jatani and Phil Vischer, probably uh, Vischer's, you know, best known for mm-hmm. being the veggie tales, uh, creator, uh, Sky Jatani, Phil Vischer. Um, and then, a. uh, a series of rotating co-hosts. They have Christine Taylor, uh, Caitlin Schuss, and some others who come on there. Um, I like the opening conversation. The format of the Holy Post is basically the first 30 minutes, 35 minutes, is all of the hosts having conversation about headlines. Phil kind of moderates, and they, hey, did you see in the news this happened? Or this Mm -hmm. is an article that happened, and they discuss all these different things. I find that really insightful. And then there's always an interview. Sky interviews somebody in in the latter half. I'll be honest, out of probably a hundred some episodes, I've listened to two of the yeah, interviews. Yeah. I listened to the opening conversations, and that's the thing that's most interesting to me. Sky Jatani also has a movie podcast hey. called The The Movie Proposal, uh, where he and a couple of other guys basically, from a Christian perspective, review movies. Mm. And it has a really interesting format. It's kind of a fun theme. They model it um, around uh, – it's a wedding theme. So they have something new. That's the the new movie that they have the you know, bulk of their discussion on. Um, they have something old, which is basically they recommend an older movie that the new movie reminded them of. Something borrowed, which is usually an article or some kind of resource related to the subject of the day. And then something blue is either something that blew their minds or blew chunks. <laughs> and it can be it can be anything. It's usually just some piece of pop culture, an article, yeah. a movie, a TV show, commercial, something. That man, it just blew my mind. The trailer for the new whatever, yeah, yeah. or something that just blew chunk. Hey, I saw the new and it, blew, it was so awful it blew chunk. Um, and so it's just a fun podcast. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that one. I like the Nate Land podcast, uh, which is comedian Nate Bargatze. Oh yeah, and his couple of buddies, all three clean comedians. If you're looking for clean, if you're you know something funny from guys who don't cuss or talk about sex or anything like that. It's it's just three guys. Every episode, um, first of all, you should know the episodes are very long, so it's usually not a one-time listen through. They're usually like two and a half, three hours long. Wow. Um, but it's basically just three funny guys <laughs> having a conversation about a given topic. Yeah. So every episode is, we're talking about the Renaissance today. Yeah. And so you got the one guy who does all the research and just goes through topics, and then Nate and the other, you know, they just make jokes and make fun of yeah. the stuff as it goes along. I enjoy that. Podcast for me is a good way of just kind of unwinding. And yeah. You, you reminded of me of uh, one that I forgot to mention, which was uh, it, there are very few podcasts where I've listened to every single episode. And yeah. I do like that there's some movement towards kind of this arc, a narrative arc in podcasts, like yeah. the rise and fall of Marcel, for example, which I haven't started yet. I will soon. But uh, the oral history of The Office, okay, which is hosted by Kevin from The Office, uh, yeah. Brian Baumgartner. Uh, it's amazing. One of the more... Be- one of the better produced podcasts I've ever listened yeah. to. Uh, so if you're a fan of The Office, the show, I would really re- recommend that one. 
Another one that's back on the theological realm that I forgot that I can't believe I forgot because I just finished it yesterday is Mere Orthodoxy actually has a, a sub podcast called Passages. Okay. And they just kind of trace the history and legacy of uh, the Council and Creed of Nicaea. And I thought it was riveting. Uh, mm. Actually, I think it's one of the better podcasts I've listened to in a while. So if you're looking for a theology podcast that's still storytelling, I think it's 10 episodes total. Uh, passages on Nicaea is a good yeah. one. And then I, I mentioned the CBR podcast. They actually do a series of YouTube videos where they're going through some of the classical theological works. But uh, Brandon of of uh, Center for Baptist Renewal actually has Church Grammar was the, the oh, name that's that right. I should have mentioned. So yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so those, those are mine. Passages yeah. is one that probably this year, Passages has been my favorite podcast. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a few episodic type things that I listen to as they come out, right? So I'll listen to the third season of this because it's on a particular subject. Yeah, or, yeah. So it's not like a regular weekly thing. It's a, a binge listen. And um, there's there's several true crime. I'm a true crime guy. Yeah. I was an, surprised I could hear an, more true crime from you. And an unsolved mystery guy. Well, there's really only one true crime podcast that I, that I listen to. Um, and then there's other kind of mysterious phenomenon stuff I'm interested in. And I don't mm-hmm. want to listen to every episode every week. But if I like the subject, oh, I, I do want to know about you know Bigfoot this week or something like that. Um, I'll, I'll check it out. Um, but yeah, other than that, so, uh, you know, I listen to Doctrine and Devotion, our good friends, Joe yeah, Thorne and Jimmy yeah. Fowler. Um, I listen usually every other episode I listen cause they do, you know, typically do sort of a hot topic or cultural issue or something in the news episode. And then they have a series where they do like, Hey, we're working through the 1689 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And I typically listen to the topical s- stuff. So um, not every single episode. Sorry, guys, if you're listening, I, they're not listening to this. But if they were, I apologize. I don't listen to every single episode, um, but the ones that interest me. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I. Yeah, those are great. Out. I do think we. It, I would be amiss to not mention that we have the Midwestern Podcast Network. Uh, yeah, and there's a lot of great podcasts that come out of this very room that Jared and I are sitting in. So Dr. Allen and, has, and we listen to those too. <laughs> Yeah, Jason K. Allen has Preaching and Preachers, Dr. Yates and Dr. McMullen. They really do have an amazing little podcast that's uh, that deserves even more love than us getting called This Week in Church History. Uh, very yep. interesting if, if you're interested in church history. Um, obviously, Dr. Barrett has the Credo podcast. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting more. Uh, yeah. Biblical Foundations, I think is what it's called, uh, for Dr. Kostenberger. The, the Counseling uh, Program has a podcast. So anyways, there's there's quite a few in the Midwestern podcast family. Yeah. But number one in your heart hey, hey. is for the church. Yes, yes, yes. And if you feel that way, as we hope that you do, leave us a good review. You may hear your name on a future episode. Five stars would be preferable. <laughs> if you give something less, I will read your name and people will know and shame you and maybe in- initiate church discipline. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, talk us up. That's how people hear about us. That's right, yeah. These reviews actually have a function. They raise the, the profile and, and increase listenership. Until next time, dear listener, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.